As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about me, Danny Moran. I'm a former Division I wrestler who has now let himself go and earns a living as a biology teacher at a secondary school. When I hear that impending budget cuts will mean that the school's beloved music program is going to be scrapped, I do the obvious thing and start moonlighting as a mixed martial artist. Soon, with the help of my friend Nico, I am a lean, mean, ass-kicking fundraising machine. However, I discover that all the money I've been raising from these fights has been embezzled by the unscrupulous school administrator, Elkins. I have no choice but to agree to a match with the formidable opponent, Sam Foster, in order to win the funds needed to keep the music program alive. Is what I would be saying if this was a adaptation of the 2012 classic Kevin James comedy, Here Comes the Boom. This is in fact just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Dan Moran, and joining me is an angry German beast of a man, Sam Foster. Hello. Um... <laughs> That was my angry German beast voice. Wouldn't it be like, guten tag. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> On this week's episode, we get swept up in the maelstrom of groundbreaking CGI and familiar fantasy tropes. That is video game adaptation Warcraft The Beginning. Stay tuned for our view to find out if it made us go, ugh, or wow. That's a joke, because wow is the acronym for World of Warcraft. That's the joke I was making. Also, I review breakout British indie film Chicken. And I announce a special film chat hosted screening of it on August the 11th, featuring the writer of the play on which the film is based. It's going to be a bit awkward because I hated the film. No, that's not true. I quite liked it. I liked it a lot. It's going to be great. And you guys should come. Check Facebook for details. Plus, we've got real casting news, fantasy casting news, and a totally genuine, posthumously released Warcraft theme song by the father of the film's director, David Bowie. All that should leave just enough time for me to read the entire history of the realm of Azeroth, from the time of the old gods and their elemental lieutenants, through the Troll Wars and the Scarlet Crusade, right up to the devastation wrought by the coming of the corrupted dragon aspect Deathwing. I mean, that's really exciting. <laughs> kind of wish they put some of those things in the film. Bloody hell. Yeah.
We have some quite concise correspondence this week. Our listeners are not messing around with their messages. Jazz Deep wrote in, he said, saw this trailer, thought it was awesome. And the trailer was for a movie called War on Everyone. Should we have a clip from the trailer? Sure. Why not? Why not? Okay. It's a crack, lads. You know how to read, don't you? I'm actually dyslexic. What's that, Terry? A controlled substance. No. It was hidden in his anus, Your Honor. You dirty motherfucker. You're a dealer now, Reggie. <laughs> you two are fucked up. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! That is awesome. That's good, good. call, Jazz Deep. Um, which of the McDonough's is this one? This is John McDonough. John of the Guard fame. And Calvary. Right. And that good McDonough. I mean, they're both quite good. But now he's, this is his first American movie with Michael Pena and Alexander Skarsgård. They're playing corrupt policemen, which is what the guard was, but they're American. Yeah, uh, I guess it'll be a bit like that. It looks a bit more coke fueled than the guard. Yeah, you know, uh, looks quite crazy, kind of more like a Scorsese fied version of it. But yeah, it's exciting. But stuff. It seems like a lot of fun. I quite like seeing Alexander Skarsgård in that trailer, having previously seen him in the trailer for The Legend of Tarzan, where he has no words whatsoever. He's just stripped to the waist and like frowns like a lot and looks really serious. It doesn't look like a very funny movie. Uh, whereas this is like could not be a more opposite role. Do you know he auditioned for Thor? Did he? It makes a lot of sense when you look at him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's very built. He's very tall. He's kind of Norse. He's Norse looking. <laughs> His dad's in the movie. I mean, how did he fuck up that audition? <laughs> <laughs> I think he probably would have not been a bad Thor. Maybe they'll cast him one day as like Thor's. I don't know. All of his family seems to be in it already, but cousin or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, like a replacement Thor. Um. <laughs> just like they're doing as a cousin who looks that exactly like him <laughs> i mean that'd be a great way to push the franchise in new directions i think thor 2 should have just been a second thor yeah you know i'm thor 2 i'm thor 2 and that would like, have been him like thor as well yeah <laughs> go to like a family reunion yeah i'm thor, thor. i'm thor 2 thank you jazzy for bringing that to our attention you are correspondent of the week you're a star you're a star Second place for Correspondent of the Week <laughs> is Sam Casely, who got in to say, R.E. Northern Lights on the Beeb. Not sure where her English accent's at, but Quivenzene Wallace as Lyra. Yeah, so last time, two weeks ago now, because we missed last week, we were talking about fantasy casting for the BBC's upcoming TV adaptation of His Dark Materials, and Dougal McQueen had some great suggestions, uh, but he didn't speculate who could play Lyra, so Sam Casey got in touch but he, was. he wanted Edris Elba for Lord Asriel, so... Oh, so it makes... It makes sense. Leaps. It could... That could yeah. slot into that's a, bit of a, that's a spoiler, Danny. That's a bit of a spoiler. I'm sorry to say. For his dark materials. Because you don't know, you know... Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. Well, those books come out like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's probably not that big of a deal. Also, if you haven't read them, you won't know... We won't know what the hell you're talking about anyway, so it's totally fine. But you're right. You know? Wink, wink. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd sort of intended to think more deeply about that casting question and have a bevy of suggestions ready, but I didn't do that. I was, you know, quizzing and surfing and hanging out with hot babes, you know, all the other things I do. Sure. That, that took Banging 10 time. gram rocks. Yeah. And 10 gram chicks. Um, taking infusions of tiger blood. 10 gram chicks. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that through. <laughs> like a borrower or something. <laughs> don't, don't think too much about that one. Finally, Callum Russell wrote in. He says, hi, film chat. 
came across this great website today for the film and font nerds. It's called Typeset in the Future. Is that what it's called? Yes, typesetinthefuture.com. Some really interesting insights into the production design choices behind classic sci-fi movies. My life is unquantifiably enriched now that I know the zeros in the 2001 A Space Odyssey title card are actually letter O's. Thanks to some in-depth typographical analysis. Keep up the lovely podcasting work. I like fonts. So technically, the title of 2001 is 2001 A Space Odyssey. I guess so, if you're reading it based on the... Um, well, nothing, decisions. you know, nothing was a mistake with Kubrick, right? It's all deliberate. That's true, yeah. So what does that mean? Well, the, I think the question now is, what do the extra O's stand for in in his movie Two Zero Wait Two O O One: A Space Odyssey? It's probably because he faked the moon landings. Those are the O's for the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed you managed to think of something so rapidly. My mind is uh, totally blank, but yeah. In what future would they use Comic Sans, do you reckon? If like, the world goes to shit, do you reckon that would well, be... If, a future in which there's only crayons, maybe. Well, yeah, <laughs> I just mean, like, if that was the first typeface that you know came up, it'd be like, oh, God, if they're using Comic Sans, something must have gone really bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> something must have happened. Well, you mean, like, the opening shot is, like, a uh, desert, and... There's, uh, like, a sign, and it's in Comic you Sans. You can just see a like... sort of destroyed skyscraper off in the distance, and then, like, the title card comes up. Yeah. In or, Sans, or like word art rainbow with a shadow. Like, oh. <laughs> like, oh God, what's happened? <laughs> Just to get yeah. the sense of doom straight from the opening, you know, titles. Maybe it's trying to say that the world of the future is as if it was run by like a thirteen-year-old doing a school project. Like that's how fucked up it is. Yeah, you know, because that because it looks like a PowerPoint presentation created by a young teen. Yeah, specifically from our generation. Yeah, in the 90s. 90s. Like, really backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, man. That's chilling. Sounds like a good movie. Let's go write that. Let's go write that. Have that ready for next week. <laughs> Script read. Superhero films announced. Casting rumours leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's been to print. So, whatever you think of uh, Marvel's Captain America Civil War Avengers Part 5, the, what everyone was agreed on was that Spider-Man was awesome in it. Absolutely. Uh, he was great. Tom Holland was instantly charming. You're like, I want to see a Spider-Man movie. And there's been a flurry of interesting casting announcements for the upcoming Spider-Man film entitled Spider-Man Homecoming. And it feels like Marvel are making a conscious effort to increase diversity in their casting. Because not one, not two, but three black people have been cast in this movie. They are Hannibal Burris, who's best known as a stand-up comedian. He's hilarious. You should Google him. Donald Glover, who for a long time was an com- internet campaign to make him Spider-Man. And uh, finally, Abraham Atta, who was the sort of little kid from Beast of No Nation, has signed up to uh, be in the movie. We don't know when any of them are playing. There's rumours that Atta might be Miles Morales, or Morales, yeah. who so, is the current Spider-Man. Well, I think um, in the... It might have been the ultimate Spider-Man. I'm aware that, like, you know, I'm dipping into my vague comics knowledge, but, like, there was... Uh, they did some kind of spin-off versions of a lot of their main heroes in a kind of different universe that were, like, the ultimate whatever. And the ultimate Spider-Man was a half-black, half-Latino kid called Miles Morales, and uh, there was some calls, or at least people were floating the idea that when they rebooted Spider-Man like a third time, 
that maybe they would go down that route yeah and make it not peter parker simply because we've had so many peter parkers lately uh, but it'd be quite cool if they introduced this guy who might be another spider-man at some different point i don't know i guess yeah he'll take up the mantle of spider-man i don't know but it's yeah it's really good casting um it sort of also continues marvel's trend of getting comedy people to do everything uh like they're casting comedians in the cast and uh, the director john watts is a um writer and director of comedy and their main dudes the um, russo brothers directed on arrested development so their background is in comedy as well so that seems to be like the way that marvel are heading yeah the only other thing to say is this was announced a while ago but michael keaton is playing the villain he's playing vulture or the vulture the vulture yeah what does he do well i guess i guess because they've gone so young with spider-man they've had to skew old with the villain the vulture is like some old man he's like i vaguely he is a bit like it is quite a lot like they've just cast birdman as uh, the villain in the new Spider-Man movie, which is kind of awesome. Did he get bitten by a radioactive vulture? I don't think he has superpowers. I think he's one of those guys who's uses technology or something. Right. He's like an evil... He's a bit like Mr. Burns with like some evil flying like mechanical vulture suit. Awesome. This is as best as I can remember from having watched an episode of this Spider-Man animated series in which the vulture was the bad guy. But it sounds absurd. I mean, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but maybe that'll be the tone. It's just going to be like quite comical, which is, you know, fine, yeah. go for it. As long as it's not like Spider-Man 3 levels of cartoonishly like mad. That's a masterpiece, man. I won't hear a word against it. <laughs> that was the best Spider-Man film. You were, you were the only person in the universe who thinks that. Topher Grace might agree with me. Topher Grace. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was in it. Actually, there is a really good bit in it when uh, Spider-Man smashes. He's like gone evil. He's like wearing the black <laughs> Venom suit. And he smashes Topher Grace's camera. And Topher Grace is just like, what the hell? And he's really indignant. And he does it in a really funny way. Exactly. Exhibit A. Yeah. So that was a good... <laughs> that's right. That was a good moment. Fair enough. So, yeah. But that's that all sounds very encouraging. And, um, yeah, it's good to see Marvel reacting to the diversity thing in um, several of their movies. Scott Derrickson, the director of Doctor Strange, which has had its own racial controversies over whitewashing and stuff, um, tweeted something like, um, I'm hearing all the rage about uh, casting and we are listening, we are learning or something like that. And it's obviously in the Marvel house is obviously a real hot topic. So cool. it's cool. Yeah. And, and also for, like the fact that they're recognizing um, Abraham Atta. I kind of want, like the next person I want to join the cast is the guy who was in um, Captain Philip. Who's that guy? Oh, Barkhad Abdi. Yeah. Like, I'm he was, the captain now. I'm the captain now. He should be in the Captain America movie, surely. I'm the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a shield from him. <laughs> <laughs> and he becomes Captain America. And he's like, I am the captain now. Listen, listen to me. Listen, <laughs> listen to me. Listen, look at me. I am, look at me. I am the captain now. <laughs> Chris Evans is like, okay. <laughs> that is a brilliant idea. Captain America 4. Okay. I'll, ref- I'll write that after I finish with uh, that yeah, typeface you- movie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can combine the ideas. <laughs> I don't know how. Well, make it easy to write the title card. It just look like total shit. Yeah. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. It's going to be good. Speaking of casting, 
yeah, more casting news that will involve the fun reading of actors' names. So, um, Armando Iannucci's next movie, The Death of Stalin, is ramping up. Um, I believe it's shooting. Is it shooting? I believe it's shooting now, as we speak. It appears to be shooting right now. If you want to go find them in England and Ukraine and watch them shoot, you can do that. Uh, it's much anticipated because In the Loop was really good, and then he went and made Veep, and that was really, really awesome. And this new one seems to be taking a similar kind of uh, political knockabout, angry, fast thing, but just transposing it to the Soviet Union after the death of Stalin, which is pretty great. And the cast is very large and very good. And they're all going to have awesome words put in their mouths by Amanda Nucci and his team of excellent writers. And I'm looking forward to hearing these guys chewing up, you know, various rude um, phrases and insults. So we've got Steve Buscemi, Simon Russell Beale. You like Russell Beale, don't you, Danny? <laughs> yeah, d- like him. I love him. I don't know why I do on him so much. He was a great full staff, probably. Excellent full staff or something. Great King Lear, I, I imagine. Uh, Paddy Considine is in it. Jason Isaacs. Olga Kurilenko. Michael Palin. Andrea Riseborough. Paul Whitehouse. And Jeffrey Tambor. And, playing Stalin, Adrian McLaughlin from Thunderpants. Wow. I don't know who that is. I don't know what role he played in Thunderpants. But I assume um, Armando was just thinking, who's going to play Stalin? I don't know, but they must have been in Thunderpants, my favorite film. Um, (laughs) So anyway, but it's an awesome cast. It's a great cast of uh, people who um, obviously he admires from their comedy work and uh, and just great character actors. And a lot of people have good comic turns. Like Jason Isaacs is a funny guy. Steve Buscemi is really funny. Yeah. Um, that's awesome so like the plot is like when Stalin died there was like a sort of power vacuum right exactly like, yeah I think that I believe that's it it's all sort the of deals power being made yes absolutely so Stalin's probably not the best part I imagine Stalin given the title of the film yeah. and the setting is probably gonna be a small role yeah that's my guess unless he's a ghost <laughs> in it unless it's like a Hamlet type scenario yeah but this would be uh, I'd be interested to see him doing because in the loop was a thick of it kind of spin-off hmm. so like a sort of fresh feature film. Yeah, it's almost becoming like Blackadder, where it kind of takes that thing and you just transplant it into different contexts. Yeah. You know, and the next one Sounds is awesome. going to be like medieval England or, you know, whatever. Yeah, if he's got his comedy writing uh, team. That great team. I mean, literally everything he does is great, so... So this is... It would be really surprising if it was shit because everything he's done is awesome. The only way it could be any better is if he was the writer of the Paul Thomas Anderson movie starring Dan Day-Lewis. Oh I think God. that would probably be the best film ever made shit yes yes but you know in lieu of that happening this is also going to be pretty good psyched looks like sam's got a film to review he's just getting ready now hey sam here's a few tips for you that i hope are gonna help you out you gotta come prepared try not to rush speak directly into the mic um don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shy okay start reviewing now okay so chicken it's a very small-scale British indie film. came out recently and has been not made an enormous splash, but um, has been lauded in various places, including by Mark Kermode, who championed it on his Five Live show. Um, it's directed by a first-time director called Joe Stevenson. Yeah, it's got a cast of relative unknowns. It follows a uh, young boy who's got learning difficulties, and he lives in a caravan with his older, slightly unpleasant brother. Um, and they live on a farm that kind of... Um, stuck out there and a rich family moves in uh, to a farmhouse nearby and they're worried they're going to be kicked off the land 
and Richard, who's the central young boy, strikes up a relationship with the young, privileged daughter. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was excellent. The best thing about it is the performance by the central guy. I haven't seen a lot of movies about a main character has so many difficulties, and it's a very cleverly written part and an incredibly nuanced portrayal. And I don't know anything about this actor, this guy called Scott Chambers. For all I know, he he actually has, you know, uh, like some kind of learning issue or whatever. Like, I have no idea. But yeah. it, it seems to me to be completely convincing, even though I'm like, I'm hardly like an expert in these matters. But he has to do that convincingly and also portray basically every possible human emotion under the sun and do a lot of acting like by himself. He speaks to his pet chicken quite a lot, which yeah. is why the movie is called Chicken. It's like a yeah, crazy was... acting task to give someone. Absolutely, yeah. And he just absolutely nails it. It's completely mesmerizing. And he carries you through. He's, his, his emotional journey is the core of the film. And it really carries you through. And uh, it got me directly in the feels by the end. Yeah. Um, in a large part, down to his performance. It's a kind of... Uh, it's, it's, a, it's one of those movies that's kind of gentle and then ramps up quite a bit at the end. And I didn't necessarily find the... Um, the sort of massive emotional drama of the final act is like quite full on in a way that felt slightly out of kilter with the tone of the rest of the movie and has some revelations that didn't like necessarily need to be there. Like it felt like they were ramping up the drama more than they had to, to keep you interested. But yeah, it's a, uh, I, I was, I was involved. I was engaged. It's good. Does it feel like a play or do you think it's like well adapted? It's sort of... Um... I thought it was really well adapted. I mean, it's quite a low-key film, yeah, um, but, but, you... but it didn't feel like really super stagey. I mean, it is mainly just people wandering around and talking, but no, it worked for me as a kind of kitchen sink drama type thing. Kermode compared it to Kez in that it's a film about poverty and, uh, you know, human, extreme human difficulties, but set in a very beautiful pastoral English setting. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact that it's out in the countryside and stuff gives it a bit of a cinematic quality. So it's very nice. Cool. And it's very well directed, I think. Yeah. His brother is also um, extremely good in a uh, role that could easily be quite cartoonish, as he is a very aggressive, angry, shouty, violent person. And you can easily imagine that could be a bit of a two-dimensional thug, like, yob kind of um, character. But the guy who plays him, his name is Morgan Watkins, just really fully invests himself in the role. And the scenes that they have together, the two brothers, some of which are quite emotionally intense, were uh, electrifying because they saw what they were doing so effectively. Yasmin Page has a little bit less to do. Um, her character is a bit like... Reminded me a bit of a sort of Skins character. In Skins, where they're, they're often skewering kind of middle-class, loopy households. And there's a bit of that element in this because she kind of wanders into their world and she's, like, from a rich family. And some of her bickering with her mom is a bit like, you know, look how different this world is rather than feeling like it's as three-dimensional as the sure. lives of the young, uh, poor boys in the caravan. She's the girl from Submarine, right? Jasmine Page. Oh, maybe she is. Yeah, I had not made that her connection. Name sounds familiar. She was in Submarine. She's also hey, in the double. There you go. Actress. Well remembered. No, she's she is really good in it. Um, it's just like as a three hander, she is definitely got the least you know amount to do. Sure. Um, and she's basically is just sort of nice um, and a bit like silly uh, and posh. But yeah, she's she does a very good. Um, turn, the, yeah, puts in a very good performance as well. Sounds like a sort of. Um... It's kind of it's kind of gentle and um, it's very charming. Yeah, delivers quite a gut punch by the end. 
This is like one of those movies where it's sort of it's very precise, you know. It's like always in the danger of going wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just mean, like, when something's so focused that, it, like, it either, you have to, like, pull it off or there's no give in the movie, like, if the performance is Yeah, off, well, I think, like, I think the, the biggest thing that's, that it pulls off so well is just by having this central character, um, the sort of learning difficulties central character who's got to, like, carry the whole movie and not making it remotely patronizing or it then doesn't feel like a, um, like, an issue-driven movie about having learning difficulties or anything like that. It just, like, you completely buy that that's who he is and... And it, so that aspect of it is like the most important thing that could have gone wrong and been bad. It's not like that. It's not like a sort of um, Ricky Gervais esque, um, you know, Derek. Sort of. It's not like Derek. <laughs> it's um, not like Derek. <laughs> it's nothing like that. And I think because they do that so well, that pretty much carries you through everything that happens in in the film. It's good, and I recommend it. Sam, I want to see Chicken now that you've recommended it. Where can I see it? Thank you for asking me a question so fluently. Not, nothing remotely stilted about that. So, Film Chat is proud to announce that we're going to be hosting a film screening of Chicken featuring Freddie Matchin or Mackin. Got to find out how his surname is pronounced. He is the writer of the play on which the movie is based. And um, the screening is going to be on August the 11th. And we're hoping to have a little sort of Q&A afterwards where people can ask Freddie about it. We are doing this through OurScreen.com, which is this service where you basically book a film screening from a list of movies. If you have to sell a certain number of tickets by a certain date for it to go ahead. The screening will be on August 11th at 9.15pm at the Clapham Picture House, but we have to sell 19 more tickets by July the 3rd in order for the screening to go ahead. So if you're tempted to come, and you should because the movie is really good, and it will, you know, you'll laugh and cry, and you'll think of great questions to ask Freddie. Um, you have to book your tickets now, not wait until the day or anything like that. Yeah, don't be one of those, them in advance. you know, I'm interested. Don't be interested. Go. Go. Be Going. a goer. You're a goer, aren't you? Oh, you should be. I'm a goer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, going. Tickets are £12. This movie is not very easy to track down at the moment. It's not available online yet. Maybe it will be one day, but if you want to see it, and you should, this is going to be your chance to do it, and you probably won't have access to the... Um, probably very handsome and interesting playwright as well so yeah come along and look for facebook for more details <laughs> you want access to this playwright <laughs> you gotta come talk to us after the screening yeah you want to ask him questions you want to flirt with him you want to get his number you want to follow him home you're gonna have to be there in order to do that Ooh, time for a break from all the film chat have a cup of tea maybe make a quick snack and telephone a friend so you know so a film of similar scale and, and ambition and tone and tone warcraft the adaptation of the popular video game for nerds i don't obviously play that kind of shit i'm too busy boning chicks uh, but a lot of people do the official synopsis is as follows looking to escape from his dying world the orc shaman guldan utilizes dark magic to open a portal to the human realm of azeroth Supported by the fierce fighter Black Hand, Gul'dan organizes the Orc clan into a concrete army called the Horde. Uniting to protect Azeroth from these hulking invaders are King Lane, the mighty warrior Andu Lafar, and the powerful wizard Medivh. As the two races collide, leaders from each side start to question if war is the only answer. And this is a clip of Duratan, uh, played by Toby Kevill, and his right-hand man Ogrim, played by Sean Maguire, who are two nice orcs who are questioning Gul'dan's methods of using black magic. Oh, it's good to see trees again. Uh, <laughs> on the snow. Even from a distance. 
Remember when we would track blood ox through the frost wind dunes? There was always meat, always life. You don't think it's strange that we lost our home when Gul'dan came to power? One orc cannot kill a world, Duratan. Are you sure? Look around you. Does it not remind you of something? Wherever Gul'dan works his magic, the land dies. If our people are to make a home here, my friend, Gul'dan must be stopped. We are not powerful enough to defeat Gul'dan. The human cell. We could be. Brilliant. Ooh. That is a that clip is quite good and it sort of sums up the uh the movie consists of a lot of made up names, I would say. Yeah. Where every single uh, line is a reference to something you have no idea what it means. Absolutely. They don't there a lot of concessions are not made. Yeah. You know. I sort of enjoyed it. It's not a good film, but it's an interesting failure, I think, where you can see the kind of a clash of ideas throughout and i would say its main flaw is that it kind of is a bit too faithful to the servicing the video game world and maybe it's just something to do with why video games are slightly unsuited adaptations in that it's a cool world with like cool landscapes but perhaps doesn't have the necessary story you need to like power a narrative and it feels like duncan jones has tried to recreate all the stuff to please the fans of the game but also do something new and fresh with uh, the film and make it have some sort of meaning. And this is explored through the orc characters, the ones you heard in that clip. And it's got a slight, uh, pretty obvious like immigration metaphor about uh, how the two sides view each other as enemies based on very little information and judging people on their appearance and stuff like that. But then also the villain has glowing green eyes and has skulls come out of his back. He looks evil as fuck. So it's a mixture of, it's both like, uh, dumb and smart, yeah. Uh, overstuffed and weirdly sparse. It's a lot of opposites. This movie, it's sort of all over the place, and meanders a lot. But it's so sincere. I feel its ambition that it sort of gets away with it for a large part yeah. of the movie. I didn't hate it at all. I think one of the odd things about um, about the whole world of Warcraft is that this is a game that's been running for a very long time, and there's many other games as well. Um, other than the sort of um, massively multiplayer online one that is the most famous. And over the course of all these games, they've built up a lot of lore. But the building blocks are very familiar fantasy tropes. So you're in this slightly strange situation where everything that you're looking at is kind of like, if you just thought of the most broad fantasy thing you could think of, that's how it is. You know, orcs, elves, dwarves, you know, uh, whatever, like flying griffins and magic and everything is just like standard fantasy stuff. But there is so much of that to explain. So there's a kind of shorthand where it's like, you get it, you know, I get it. I know what an elf is and what a dwarf is, whatever. But it, but they're constantly referencing like kingdoms and different kind, like layers of people. This guy comes in, he's like, I was kicked out of the Kirin Tor. And you're like, I just, what the fuck does that mean? Like, <laughs> I know, no, we don't know what that is. And later on, he goes to visit them, and like it's somehow relevant to the plot. But you're like, you know, they just don't bother to explain that. And obviously, a fan of the game is like, you know, just understands immediately. Yeah. But it's a bit odd having something so complex, but the individual blocks themselves are a bit too 
familiar. You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. It doesn't it's... feel exciting. It's just confusing because. Well, I think there's there's something to do with like as you point out the sort of familiarity of the tropes because World of Warcraft seems to be made by people who like love Tolkien. But Tolkien was like a sort of scholar of ancient languages and medieval history, and that all goes into like his work. But they've only read Tolkien, right, so it's like yeah. a copy of a copy. It does feel like that very much. And like, especially with the names, felt like they've just been sort of from a random, you know, Stormwind and the Frost Giants and the whatever. Comple- you know? Completely, yeah. The names are incredibly bland. But then, like, when you adapt that back into a film, because the unique selling point of World of Warcraft is like, oh, it's like Lord of the Rings, but you can be in it, and you know. Sure. But when you put that back into a film, it just becomes a sort of pale imitation yeah. of Lord of the Rings. And it definitely, it lacks, um, despite like Duncan Jones' best efforts, it's not particularly grounded, the world. And even the set design feels underpopulated. It's like there's loads of room for you to go and explore, but it's a film. So like one of the people there. Sure. And uh, it's also, doesn't it feels very new. Like all their costumes are shiny and brand, brand new and all the buildings that they were built yesterday or, you know, rendered yesterday. Yeah, it needs a bit of that Game of Thrones uh, Yeah, it needs a bit of gra- And tarnish. also, everyone in the movie is, isn't is very old. Uh, which it's is literally odd. like the world has only existed <laughs> for, like, 38 years. Yeah. So, yeah, I found that, that I found that to be a bit of an issue, actually. The, the, the male cast lacks gravitas because they're so young. Like they're, they're, <laughs> none of them are older than 40, pretty much. Yeah, you need some old None, of, them, none of the main roles. You need the Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen guys who are going to sell this world to you as real. And who have authority when they're leading their troops. And I didn't feel that Dominic Cooper as the king or Travis Fimmel as Lothar, who's like the sort of hero, neither of them really had their um, the kind of theatrical power to well, sell the world to me. Yeah, I or think, Ben Foster, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, they're all good actors, but, you know, he's like, they're supposed to be the old wizard of the land, you know, and he's like 35. Like, <laughs> that's too young. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's also, I wasn't entirely sure how serious I was supposed to be taking the film because it's quite zippy and fun, like, for the most part, and, like, very breezy. It's always, everything's always, loads of stuff happening. I don't yeah. I understand a lot of it, but stuff was happening. And uh, there's a lot of levity in the movie, like, like little comedy beats are put in there. But then characters start dying and stuff. You're like, oh, shit, was I supposed to care? Like, mm. I don't know. And it's sort of, um, you know, when it gets it goes a bit serious, it's like, you know, you really feel the sort of breaks in yeah. the movie. Yeah, I think there's a lot of issues around um, the pacing and the construction of the story. It feels like a movie that's about five hours long. It's been cut down to two in a way. And you really feel the hand of the producers. It's almost like someone watched a two and a half hour cut of this film and they were like, uh, the only way to salvage this is to at least make it zip along. And yeah. especially the end of the film, the climax feels very hurried. The battle scene, like there's no, there's no sense of pacing to it you know yeah like um uh, last week's game of thrones episode was sick was really good and that had a the last half hour of that episode was pretty much just a battle scene but one of the things that was that made it so exciting was so effective about it is that it was incredibly well paced with like a series of sequences that were really tense and were like um obviously they spent a lot of time thinking about how that was going to be put together you know um and how to manipulate how you're feeling through each moment of it Whereas the last sequence of this movie feels much more cut and paste where they've had to like do stuff all the time and like tie up all the ends and you know, it's just kind of getting quickly getting from A to B. It's like, we've got to get this movie over with. And the thing that makes it so weird is that the, so this film is set before the, if you, if you boot up World of Warcraft and you start playing it, 
that that's like after the end of this movie you're kind of watching the history of the world of warcraft yeah and so what you're watching is instead of a movie setting up the status quo and then having an incident that shakes the status quo and then resolving at the end the whole movie is leading up to the arrival of the status quo <laughs> which is the beginning of the world of warcraft yeah so at the end of the film is this really weird feeling where it's like they've just put the pieces in place for us to start warcraft you know and it's like <laughs> but what about the story ending yeah yeah weird Odd. The, i think the um that is that what were they lack in gravitas i think that a lot of the very committed performances especially from toby kebble who is awesome as yeah Duritan. well the orcs are better than the humans definitely. very much so and, and there's even there's much more of a sense of society even with the orcs even though they're just a horde of rampaging you know <laughs> they're just beasts they're just beasts they should all be destroyed um but you you get much more of a you know sense of what their lives are like i feel than with the humans i have no idea what they're doing you know like yeah but uh yeah like he did a lot with it i thought he was like going he's for brilliant it. it's got real nobility and he's yeah. very very well animated yeah it's amazing the effects and um travis film was lofar i'm not sure like he's just sort of doing this performance which maybe is not as grounded as it needs to be but it's like looks like he's having a lot of fun yeah, and definitely. uh he's just like a sort of charismatic guy and uh it's kind of weird you know like he doesn't look how you think a fantasy knight should look he's got this old straggly beard it is like a sort of homeless surfer but yeah he does it's very strange <laughs> but i quite liked him as a sort of like hippie knight like this guy <laughs> yeah that's just come a, back from smoking it yeah but he was good fun like i was happy to to watch him even though it didn't feel like he quite fit yeah um, that's what the whole movie's a bit like that it's like it's not quite working but it's i can see the effort and i yeah. appreciate it i don't know i think the the thing you know we were talking about the um familiarity to fantasy troops i think the thing that is the distinguishing feature of this as a movie is the way in which it embraces the video game aesthetic in in that the orcs in this are like obscenely oversized and like massively bulky and like giant heads and stuff and it looks very different to the orcs in lord of the rings who are just like muscular dudes painted green basically just maori guys who are cockney yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Um, and so it's that kind of oversized, super painted fantasy world. Like all the wizards have permanently glowing eyes, which just kind of looks ridiculous. But And it's obviously only because that's what it is in the game. Because if you just put a little sparkly sprite on your little 3D model, it looks magical. Yeah. But instead, they've got some professional graphics artist to paint beautiful sparkles into someone's eyes <laughs> in a way that like, makes them look kind of absurd but at least it differentiates the movie you know yeah it's part of that feeling of like they went all in on this idea and i also like the attempt to balance the two forces you've got sympathetic yeah, yeah, yeah. Karen, sympathetic humans you know i think that's very admirable and you know that's a lot more interesting than just a story about good humans fighting bad beasties so yeah I don't know. it's, a mixed it's all right bag. wasn't it it's all right. If they made another one, I would, you know, I'd be like, fine, I'd watch it probably. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When Zach heard something that changed his life, what he listened to? When John Cusack made a mistake for his future wife, what did she listen to? And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? When Tim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough, which record did he choose? Yeah, 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 yeah. So one of the best things about the Warcraft movie is the end credits theme, because Duncan Jones is the son of the late great 
David Bowie. And so obviously he was like, Dad, you're a brilliant musician. Can you just write me a theme? And Dave was probably like, I'm just finish it with Black Star, but whatever. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Well, he seems he didn't really have time to write whole new music. Yeah. But He's he was able man. to adapt one of his hits. Adapt and improve. And improve. Make it a lot better. Um, yeah, it's probably his best song, I would say. Yeah, I think it's. I think it will go down in history as Bowie's greatest song. It's you know the tune is quite well known, and in the end credits of the movie, they just have the lyrics and a little bouncing ball. And when we were watching it, everyone was just singing along. Because really... everyone knows how everyone knows how it goes. It was great. It was great. And the whole audience just burst into song. They started clapping and dancing, and like streamers went off. Confetti was spraying everywhere. Yeah, I think it's that's... like a little party. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> but kind of think of it, it's one of the best cinema experiences of my life. Yeah, it was good. It was a transporting magical time. Anyway, so that will play us out. But in the meantime, get on and book these tickets for chicken. Yeah, get on Facebook, check out the event, go to ourscreen.com, book your tickets. It's going to be sick. We'll see you on August the 11th. And until then, goodbye. Farewell. You're fearsome. Well, children have packs more fearsome than you. Wherever gold that works, it's magic. The land dies. They're beasts. They should all be destroyed. Warcraft. If, if you're a green orc who fights a lot. Warcraft. Then run through the portal to Azeroth. If you're a human above 14 Warcraft You're probably not in this movie Well that's Durotan He leads his clan And next to Khadgar but if you're overwhelmed Boss bound and beasts and realms You should brush off, log on and strap in Cause it's just a Hello, this is Dominic Cooper, one of the stars of Warcraft. My agent informed me today that part of my contract involves doing a rap for this song. So I'm going to try that now. Warcraft. It's the Warcraft world. We got all sorts. Boys and girls and dwarves and elves and lots of orcs. Even got a half orc. Learning our ways. We got a guardian mage. She likes to teleport. Warcraft. And then there's Goldak. He's an evil warlock. Shaman. Every orc in his horde. Every clan in his warband. Led by his war chief Blackhand. Hero town wants to stop him. So it's all good. But they need the human. If magic is blue, it's good for you. But if it is green, it's mean. The power of the spell makes you ugly as hell. Now get ready for much more explaining. This song is this is Khadgar, yeah. trained by the Kirintor. We don't know who they are, we don't know what they're for. They're Welsh guys, they're rude, and they got glowing eyes. They stand around a black cube, if you get in close, a door appears, surprise, inside it's staying close. Her name is Aladai, and she's wearing black robes. I couldn't tell you why, that even she knows. 
My name is Lightning Rin, I'm important, I'm the king, I'm the lord of Stormwind, I'm in charge of everything, and the hero of the film is my commander, Lothar, both of us have fun, but here's a dumb guy, people go There's a lot more going on More fathers and their sons And the invention of guns But you're too busy thinking Why is everyone so young? Is this walk up the beginning Or another Logan's run?